What's going on? Welcome to the new music business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business. The book, third edition, coming very soon. Looks like January. Look out for that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 100th episode of the new music business podcast. I can't believe that I've done 100 of these. Uh, It feels like just yesterday we launched this thing, and uh, it's been quite a journey. I'm so grateful for everyone who's listening. If this is the first episode you've listened to, welcome. If you've listened to all 100, holy shit, thank you for that. Um, It's been absolutely incredible. We have really grown this thing, and the industry has taken notice. Uh, Spotify for Artists just listed us as the number one music industry podcast you should be listening to. What? Yes. Um, we won the Webby last year for the best music uh, for the best music podcast. So, uh, so cool. I'm, I'm so humbled and grateful for everyone and all the support that we've gotten. You know, when I started the New Music Business podcast, uh, I had already conducted hundreds of interviews. I just had been recording them on my voice memos to write subsequent articles or use that info for the book. And I never really thought to kind of make those interviews public because, I don't know, they were I, the, my medium at the time was the written word. Uh, but I figured, you know what, these interviews and these people are dropping gem after gem, and why not share this? I'm all about sharing. I'm all about community. I don't believe in competition in the music business. I believe that we are all in this together. A rising tide lifts all ships. So that's what we did now. And here we are, 100 episodes later. Uh, I don't have a guest this episode. I figured this is a special one. This is this is number 100. Um, and I got a lot of great feedback from the Q&A episode that, well, the two Q&A episodes. I got so many questions when we uh, sent out an email to the list uh, asking people for the questions. And I, I split it up into two episodes and still didn't get through all the questions. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bang through some more questions, which reminds me. If this is your first time listening to this show or your 100th time, why don't you pause it real quick and hit that follow, hit that subscribe button, and make sure that you get all future episodes in your feed. If you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, that would be amazing. Those really help. I love reading the reviews. I read them once in a while. Not all of them. uh, Not all the time. But if you leave a review, I'll, I'll eventually see it. And I really appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, hit me a comment. Hit me some questions. I love answering the stuff there. And if you want to get on that email list, go to ariestake.com. Get on that email list. And then you can write in questions. And then we just send out relevant, important information about the new music business. You can find us that make the show happen at Ari's Take on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You can find me at Ari Herstand on Instagram and Twitter. All right, let's kick into the show. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. 
First question comes from Judy Micah. I hope that's how you say it. spell it. Judy M A. Oh, maybe that's Malka. Judy Malka. Excuse me. Judy Malka, uh, actor, singer, songwriter. Uh, she says she's performed at the Metropolitan Opera. Maybe we got an opera singer on our hands from New York City. Cool. What's up, Judy? All right. Dear Ari, hope all is well. First, let me thank you for all you're doing for our community. Oh, thanks. I have collected much of the info you have put out for us, and we're so lucky for your generosity. Oh, my gosh. I swear I did not plan this. I'm literally just going down the list. But thank you so much, Judy. That's that's very kind and sweet. Um, happy to be part of this community. Happy that we're all part of this community together. Now, my question to you is I am about to release a new single. I feel that it deserves to seriously get the appropriate recognition it deserves. I do not want to get it lost in the ocean of Spotify or any other platforms. I honestly feel the song could make some noise. Can you recommend or suggest anything um, and give me some direction? I'm, I'm open to everything, even a record label. Please let me know my gratitude beyond words. Thank you, Judy. Great question. I think everyone listening can all relate. I think the latest numbers were... Um, that there are 80,000 songs uploaded daily to Spotify, 80,000 songs a day to Spotify. Yeah, um, that's going to be hard to break through the noise. No one can listen to 80,000 songs a day. Not the Spotify editors, not a human being. But, you know, there are um, hundreds of millions of listeners and subscribe to Spotify. And let's not forget all the other platforms. But Fair question. I know that I can empathize with you. Uh, I think everything that, you know, every new song and new recording, I think we all think it's our best work and it it should get the recognition. You put a lot of time and energy and effort and probably money into the recording, the single, maybe the album. Um, maybe you shed some tears over it. Maybe it broke your heart or maybe you found love or lost love. I, I know what goes into making an album or even just a song. I feel you. I get it. Um, you know, apathy is almost worse than criticism. Almost. <laughs> we all would just like the praise, but I get it. So number one thing that that you need to do because we all have different intentions. You know, when I released my album last year, um, my intentions were not to take this on the road, to tour on it, to blow up. Uh, so I didn't follow the steps to, you know, go for uh, Spotify success um, or to set it up for a tour or any of that or sync licensing or anything like that. Those were not my intentions. My intentions was this record was actually for me and uh, my audience, uh, who I have a relationship with, over email. So sure, I, I you know I promoted it on social media and all that stuff, but that was my intention. Those were my goals, and I achieved those goals. And uh, you know, everyone's goals and intentions are different. I felt really great about the response that I got. I'm very happy with. Uh, the response, and I'm very happy that I was able to get this this record out. Those are my intentions, but my intentions are probably not the same as yours, and the only way that you know if you're reaching your goals is if you actually set your goals. So the number one thing that I would tell you to do, everyone who's listening to do right now, I actually just sent an email out about this, um, 
Create a goals list. Now, these have to be SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. SMART, time-bound. Set a goal. What do you want to have happen with this new release? I can't tell you what you want to have happen. Do you want, is a, is a thousand streams, is, does that, is that going to feel like an impact? Is um, 50 purchases on Bandcamp, is that going to be the impact? Is it going to be 100 messages from people DMing you or messaging you saying that this impacted their lives? Is it going to be a million streams? Is it going to be five playlist ads? I mean, what are the goals and intentions here? Uh, I can't tell you what you're aiming for. You have to tell me what you're aiming for, and then I can help you get there. So lay out those goals. Make sure they're time-bound. Like an example, in six months, I want to have a million streams on this song. Okay, I know we're obsessed with numbers these days. I don't know what that really means, if that means an impact, but let's just say that's one of your goals because I, I know that that can um, that's a measuring stick these days. Um, it's a metric that people care about uh all right well that's a that's a smart goal that's specific that's measurable that in million streams it's time bound six months now i don't know if that's realistic for you though if you're at you know uh 100 monthly listeners right now and all of your songs have less than a thousand streams that's not a realistic goal if you're at hundreds of thousands of streams and you're at maybe 50,000 monthly listeners, that's definitely a realistic goal. And we can talk about the exact steps to take to get to that and achieve that. Now, Spotify has actually laid out the blueprint for how to be successful on Spotify. It's a blueprint. They gave it to you. It's a Spotify for artists have put together actually really excellent guides. But I'll tell you, I'll break it down because I've studied this and I had, you know, when I had Sam uh, Duboff on the show from Spotify for artists, he was on this show. Go listen to that episode. You know, they tell you what they want to see. They tell you how the platform works. And if you want to be successful on Spotify, this is the game. This is this is the blueprint. And the blueprint is they want music released consistently and regularly. So if you're just going to put out one single and that's it and say, I, I hope this blows up, that's not really, well, one, it's not listener behavior anymore. Um, and it's just not going to uh, trigger anything or anyone at Spotify. If you just want to drop an album today, similarly, that's not the game. That's not what they want to see. It's it's almost the same as dropping one single as dropping one album all at once. They say release music regularly. So put out a single every four to six weeks. That's the strategy if you want to play the Spotify game. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to release your art. You do whatever makes sense for you. I'm just telling you the blueprint that Spotify has put together. And they've said this is how it works. So um, make sure that this is, if, if you want to play that, that Spotify game, this is, you, you can follow that single every four to six weeks and, um, single every four to six weeks. And then make sure that you pitch it to the editors each time in Spotify for artists. There is a back end there. You can pitch it, make sure you pitch it at least three weeks in advance and then follow it up with another one and another one. Now it's helpful you want to have some market drivers around every single. They ask for these. Now, what's happening? Did you get some press? List that. Did you have? Uh, do you have a big music video? Link them to it. Um, are you playing shows? Are you going on tour? Discuss that. Talk about that. Um, you know, anything market drivers, anything that is exciting, that is out of the ordinary. Are you having a crazy, cool, unique release show? 
talk about that. Did somebody famous tweet your song or, or post about it? Mention that. Um, you know, anything that is newsworthy, buzzworthy, something where they can pay attention. And then also, this is important because algorithms crawl this stuff. List like three to five playlists that you think you could be on that your music would fit right alongside. List that too. Now, Spotify is only one part of the equation, of course, and the recognition. Maybe your goals have nothing to do with Spotify, but you mentioned it, so I figured maybe maybe it does. So um, that that is one trick. Now, I, I do want to make a quick plug here. Um, many of you who are longtime listeners of the show and maybe you heard an ad at the start of the show. Uh, know about Ari's Take Academy. We have 5,000 students, and the newest course that I just launched that I'm I'm teaching and instructing is our registration royalties and release course, and we have a full release strategy, album release strategy, single release strategy, stepping you through with checklists and day by day what you're supposed to do every day leading up to an album and leading up to a release and making sure you're properly registered everywhere so you're getting paid for everything. So uh, I, I, you know, it's a it's a very 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 extensive course, and I encourage you to check that out if you're interested in the release strategy. All right, Judy, thank you so much for that question. Best of luck with the release. Next question comes from uh, Michaela Batts from Surrey. I don't know where Surrey is. I should know this. Let me look this up quick. What is Surrey? Is Surrey? It is a it is a county in southeast England, which borders Kent, East Sussex to the east, East Sussex. Okay, from East Southeast England. Welcome, hello, Michaela Betts. Um, your question. All right, from releasing the same single, uh, multiple covers and artwork. How does this work? Um. That's the full quote. Same single, multiple covers, slash artwork. Uh, okay. I'm multiple covers, multiple artwork. I, I think this is a single or a question. Um, all right. So multiple. All right. As soon as you write a song um, before it's released, you want to register the publishing. And the publishing should be registered with your publishing company. And your publishing company or your admin publishing company uh, will then register that with every PRO, performing rights organization around the world, every CMO, collective management organization, every MRO, mechanical rights organization, everywhere. So if you have an admin publisher or a publishing company, it's a, essentially a one-stop shop. All you got to do is register it with uh, the publishing company and they register everywhere else. Some people think especially those in the States, oh, but I'm with ASCAP or I'm with BMI, so I should register it there, right? Well, no, you don't need to register it with ASCAP or BMI if you have a publisher because they register it. The, the example um, that actually David from BMI, David Street from BMI used, which I love and I'm stealing it from him now, um, is it's like Postmates or Uber Eats or uh, whatever food delivery service that, that you use, but Postmates is big out here in L.A., so it's like it's like Postmates. It's like if you put in an order with Postmates at a restaurant, you don't then call the restaurant and then put the order in again because now you have two orders that are put in with the restaurant and uh, they're going to have to do some make figure out that it's the same order and only send you one delivery. 
because now you just delivered two orders to the same restaurant from two different platforms, two different services. Postmates is going to put your order in and they're going to make the order and then deliver your food. And then the restaurant is also going to make the order because you put it in separately to them. How are they supposed to know? So it's kind of like that. Whereas like uh, you only need to put in the order once with your PRO because if you're with ASCAP or you're with BMI, um, just so you know, there's 80 other organizations around the world other than just your ASCAP or your BMI. And your publisher will register your song with everyone, including including your own country's PRO. Now, that being said, a lot of people who don't have a publisher and they want to kind of, you know, get their music on their PROs because they might have a sync placement. Sure, they make it easy to register your song directly with your PRO. So, But there are other publishing royalties. There are other royalties that are owed to you as a songwriter other than just performance royalties. And uh, I, I try to break this down. You know, I have a whole chapter on the book on this. I write about this on Ari's take. It's in the registration royalties and release course. But I understand it's extremely confusing. So um, I, I can I can kind of help you out through that a little bit more later, um, you know, in any of the resources that I put out. Most of them free resources, too. So check it out. But um, so I don't know what your question is because you only wrote same single multiple covers artwork. How does this work? But I'm I'm taking it in whatever direction I think because uh, <laughs> that's the question. Um, so if you button up your publishing, if you get everything registered with the publishing, you can release uh, multiple different versions of it. Other people can cover your song. Uh, I could cover it. Anyone can cover it, and you'll get paid. Every time, because you're the songwriter and you should get paid every time, but you have to register it to make sure you get paid. If you're only registering it with your PR, you're not getting all the money that's owed to you when the song is streamed. So just know that. All right, let's move on. Um, Sarah Mendelson from Boston, Massachusetts. Hi, Ari. If I change just a line or two of a previously released song and want to then release the amended version, do I name it differently, recopyright it, and do I need a new ISRC code for it? Thanks. No. If you're just changing a line or two, that's your own song. I would just call it the same song. Um, and it's a new recording. So, yes, you would do... Um, yeah, if you're releasing a, a different recording of the song, then you will use a new ISRC code. So when you distribute it, it's essentially like version two. You know, people, a lot of artists and bands uh, release multiple versions of the same song. Um, you know, acoustic versions, live versions, uh, remixes. I guess that's called a remix. But acoustic versions and live versions, stripped down versions, full band versions, all that stuff. Uh, each recording gets a new ISRC. You don't have to really worry about the ISRC code because your distributor will assign it to you. The only time that you reuse an ISRC code is if it's the same recording. So you might see when artists release singles in advance of the album, and then when you go on to Spotify, you see that the single version has the identical number of streams as the album version. That's because they release that with the same ISRC number. So if you're going to do that, and you're going to release a single, multiple singles leading up to the album. This is called the waterfall. Um, well, if you want to use the waterfall method, which is actually a little bit more um, in-depth than that. Uh, I'll get into that in a second. Um, yeah, you use the same ISRC number every time you release that same recording. Whether it's a single version, whether it's a uh, you know 
EP version, album version, same one. Now, if it's a totally different recording, it it is a totally different ISRC. But it's your song. You can change the words around. That's totally up to you. People do that all the time, especially in live versions. It's it's the same song title. All right. Um, next question comes from. Let's see here. So this is, comes from Toby St. John, but this uh, who is Powell St. John's admin of their collective publishing company. And the question is, hey, Ari, what is the standard rate between artist and sync licensing agent? Where can I hear this podcast and when? Oh, well, that's a simple question with a simple answer. Um, So I would say legit reputable sync agencies out there, they take between... The lowest I've seen is 20% and uh, up to 50%. Some take more than 50%. That is, I would recommend not working with the ones that are taking more than 50%. That, um, that is not what is in line with what is happening right now with most sync agencies. Uh, I would say a lot of them take 25%. That's kind of standard. Uh, Lyle Hansen, who is the founder and runs Bank Robber, which is a sync licensing company, sync agency. We had him on the show. Um, he said Bank Robber takes 25%. And his words were that if you uh, somebody takes more than 25%, that ain't ethical. So that those are his words. Um, but there's plenty of ethical, great sync agents. These are my words now. That take 40% or even 50% or 30%. Now, Vo Williams, who is the instructor of our um, Advanced Sync Strategies course for Ari's Take Academy, um, he says up to 50% is totally cool. Now, he has over 1,500 sync placements, and um, he is one of the most successful, if not the most successful artist in sync licensing right now. And uh, he's done struck deals with multiple sync agencies, anywhere from 25 to 50%. So that's what you're looking at. Now, I have had plenty of, of episodes on this show uh, interviewing sync agencies and music supervisors. You can check them out. I would just probably just go to the, the podcast page, however you're looking at this, or you can go to ariestake.com slash NMB or just look at the podcast page and search sync, S-Y-N-C, and you'll find the episodes. All right. Thanks, Toby. Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service, for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with... BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, Two Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer 
instant royalty advances. Uh, this is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for a hundred grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, they also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of Everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register you with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue, uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. Uh, next question. Samantha Laporta from Nashville. All right, question regarding sync licensing. All right, we got a few of these. I assume if I hire a team myself plus uh, two, we co-wrote. Hire a team myself plus two we crow out. I put out the song that I own, the masters and publishing. I can submit with 100% ownership and pay the other co-writers their percent. Do they need to sign off on the deal if I'm pitching submitting? Great question. Okay, I understand. Uh, Samantha. So how most sync licensing works is in the, the um, rate that I just, discussed on the previous question um that commission that the agent takes between 25 and 50 percent or so that's of the up front sync fee this is important um most sync agents are not going to take a uh publishing or any back-end royalties so that's that's really important to know uh when you're negotiating this uh deal with the sync agent now that being said the upfront sync fee is split typically 50-50 in half. Typically, 50% of the money goes to the master rights owners, and typically 50% of the money goes to the people who represent the publishing, the composition, the musical work, whatever you want to call it. So 50-50. Uh, so for instance, if you cover a song, let's say, let's say you cover one of my songs, Samantha, and you get this song synced. Uh, on on the next season, Euphoria with with Jen Malone, the, the music supervisor. Sweet. Um, and let's say they pay, let's say it's $10,000 for the sync. All right. Well, $5,000 is going to go to you because you own the mastery. It's your recording. And then $5,000 is going to come to me because I own the publishing. I wrote the song. See how that works? 50-50. Okay. So now that we understand the breakdown of the upfront sync fee, you know, most of us are indie artists. We wrote the song. We recorded it, all that stuff. But you got to think about this because if you have two co-writers but you own the master, this happens all the time. Um, whatever the money that comes in, think about it. Split it 50-50. 50% goes to the master rights owner. So in, that, in this example, 
um, let's use you and your co-writers. 50% of $10,000 is $5,000. That goes to you, the master rights owner. And then the $5,000 that goes to uh, for the, the publishing gets split three ways. So my math is not good, but 5,000 divided by three. That's what each of you are going to make. Um, so your second question was, do I need to get their permission each time? Um, yes and no. Uh, technically, the, um, technically every, well, the publishing rights owner needs to sign off and, or the publishing administrator either way, or the sync licensing pub administrator, uh, for every songwriter needs to sign off every time for every sync license and every sync placement. Now, you don't need to ask each songwriter every time. Oftentimes, songwriters enlist representatives that that do this sign-off for them for them. That's what sync agents are. So if you write a song and you have a sync agent, uh, your sync agent is going to want to know who the co-writers are, and then they're going to ask the co-writers in advance to sign off, sign away the admin rights, or at least the sync licensing rights to this sync agent. So if I'm going to use Jen again. Uh, Jen comes to the sync agent and says, hey, I want to place this song in Euphoria. I need an answer by 5 p.m. today. That shit has happened to me. Um, the, they don't have to track down your co-writers who one of them might be on vacation and you know out of the country or off the grid or whatever. They don't have to track them down. The sync agent's like, boom, done, one stop, signed off, right here, here you go, clear. That's the beauty of sync agents. They're what's called one stop, meaning the music supervisor doesn't have to go all different stops around town, clearing it with three different publishers because there's three different co-writers and the label. Uh, They go to one person and it's one stop. That's what a sync agent does. Hopefully that makes sense. All right. Josephina, uh, Josephina Watley from Atlanta, Georgia. How can I get direct contact to a music supervisor <laughs> that is soliciting material? A lot of questions on sync. Well, another plug, you should join the Advanced Sync Strategies course for Ari's Take Academy that Vo Williams teaches. Uh, we actually have sync agency showcases uh, twice a year, and we work to get our students deals with sync agents and because the sync agents have the relationships with the music supervisors. It is not really recommended to pitch music supervisors. Most of them are not taking unsolicited music or music from musicians they don't know because they get burned. I mean, listen to my episode that I just did with Madonna Wade Reed. She's a music supervisor extraordinaire. She's she's a superstar in the music supervision world. She's been doing this for 20 years. Listen to my interview with Lindsay Wolfington, also a uh, music supervisor extraordinaire. Listen to my interview with Jen Malone. Uh, you know, I, I've interviewed so many music supervisors on the show. You can go back and listen to them. But they are all extremely hesitant about taking music directly from artists because most of the time artists don't understand all of the rights that are involved in getting your song placed. You know, you might think that you own the rights uh, because you co- because you released the song and, and Spotify accepted it, but there's different rights involved in a song that is synced to TV 
than is placed in Spotify. One is audio only. One is sync. One is visual. One is, um, you know, syncing it to video. That's a, those are all different rights. So if you don't understand all these rights, then you don't might realize that you can't clear them and then the music supervisor's in hot water because they thought they cleared a song that they couldn't clear and now there's a bunch more people to pay and then, you know, the publishers are coming after them and and they could lose their job if they mess this thing up. And so a lot of them like working with trusted parties. Those are labels, those are publishing companies, those are sync agents. So I would recommend working with a sync agent. Now, that being said, there are music supervisors that I have spoken with who will take music directly from artists. Now, how do you find them? Well, find the shows uh, that have music that is similar to your music and uh, learn sync licensing top to bottom, you know, join our course and learn or read a book, read read a book about it or just like, you know, talk to trusted sources, but make sure you understand rights fully on when it comes to sync licensing and you can pitch. Track down the music supervisor's contact information. These This day and age, you can find anyone's contact information. Track down their contact. Pitch them in the way that they want to be pitched. Uh, you know, I have, uh, on this show, you can listen to some of these interviews. I, these supervisors have told me exactly how they want to be pitched. What does the email look like? All of that stuff. Um, so you can check that out too. All right. Next question comes from Gordy Myers from St. Paul, Minnesota. Twin Cities, my former home. What recording capability do I need to be able to do at home or have access to near me to be able to take any of the classes in ATA, in Ari's Take Academy? In order to share and collaborate and contribute fully, what is the lowest common denominator I need to aim for? Great question. Uh, I I swear I did not plant this. I I was not intending another plug. (laughs) Um, But... I'm so glad that you're interested in ATA. We have 5,000 students as part of Ari's Tech Academy, and um, I would love to welcome you as part of this incredible community that we've built, Gordy. Um, we have people at all ends we've, uh, of the uh, expertise recording spectrum. We have Grammy-winning, Grammy-nominated producers and engineers that uh, have, you know, Neve consoles in uh, their home studios. And um, we have people that we have bedroom producers who are just getting started and learning it on their own uh, and everyone in between. And we have people who don't really have uh, recording equipment. Uh, most of the courses, these are music business courses. So we, we focus on teaching you the business. We're not really specializing in teaching you production or anything like that. So as long as you have a few songs that are already recorded, and ready for release or already released, you'll be totally fine checking out some of the courses. Uh, But great question. All right. Isaac Toast from Santa Barbara. What will Spotify do if you land on a botted playlist through no fault of your own? That's a great, great question, Isaac. Now, for those of you that don't know what a botted playlist means or anything like that. All right. So let's, let's break down... Um, Spotify playlists and the business of playlisting for a minute. I've covered this um, a little bit in the past, uh, but it's always good to revisit this. So, um, you know, as we know, Spotify and playlists can be incredibly powerful. If, If you get your song included on a very popular editorial playlist, it can be, um, it can be, 
you can get thousands of streams overnight or, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of streams in, in a few weeks or months or whatever. Um, but, you know, even though Spotify has placed, uh, I believe the number was 150,000 artists on editorial play- playlists in the last few years, um, there's 80,000 songs that are uploaded every day. So, of course, you know, it's a long shot, no matter who you are, uh, unless you're on a major label, to get included in an editorial playlist. But that being said, um, you know, there are user playlists, and this is what you're referring to, because there are, I think at last count, 4 billion, with a B, playlists on Spotify. Now, the vast majority of those playlists are user-generated playlists, meaning users, average listeners, just created their own playlists. The vast majority of them don't have any followers than just that user. Like, you know, I'm sure everyone who's a Spotify user that's listening to this or an Apple Music user or whomever, you've created your own playlist. This is my workout playlist. This is the playlist that my cooking playlist. This is my liked songs playlist. These are my Shazam songs playlist, whatever. So, uh, but some playlists that people have created get followers. Maybe you send it to your friends. Maybe you post about it in some groups. Maybe you run ads to it and it becomes very popular. I have a playlist called Low Volume Funk. There are, I think, around 60,000 followers to this playlist. It's become a very popular playlist. It it generates thousands of listeners a month, depending on where you are on the playlist, if not more. Now, this there's a lot of those playlists out there where they've been built up to tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers for these user-generated playlists, and they can generate quite a few streams. Now, you want to be very careful with these because it has become big business. There are platforms out there. There are so many platforms, so many to name. Uh, I'm not even going to name them because they come and go every day, where you essentially pay a fee, and some platforms will pitch you to the playlist editors, these user-generated playlist curators for a fee, of course, and then the playlist editors will consider your song and place it. Now, they get kind of around the uh, Spotify's terms. Well, Spotify's terms, just so you know, this is black and white. It is, against Spotify's terms to charge for inclusion on a playlist. So if anybody charges you or anybody says, oh, yeah, I'll add you to the playlist for 20 bucks. Don't do it. Report them to Spotify. I know that was your, your question. How do, we, how do you report them to Spotify? Um, absolutely report it. Support at Spotify.com. I report these playlists all the time. And um, if if somebody, you know, I've gotten sp- playlists taken down. And that's the thing. If, if Spotify finds that a playlist is charging artists for inclusion, they will remove that playlist. So if you paid for it, well, guess what? You just lost your money. Um, but also, you don't want to pay for this stuff because most of these people that are charging, they're, they're it's it's a scam, and they have gotten fake followers and and bots to follow their playlist. So so it's like, hey, look at my playlist. I got a hundred thousand followers to this playlist. Pay me a hundred bucks, and I'll get you on this playlist. And then you do, you get on the playlist, and you're like, wait, this playlist isn't generating any listeners. And that's because they're all fake followers to the playlist, and so you just wasted your money. Now, a botted playlist, what you're saying. Now, I, I don't know about, uh, I haven't heard as much about the botted playlist. Uh, I, I think that's what you're saying, is, is that they were bot followers to that playlist. Now, Spotify is not going to penalize the artist 
for um for this as much. What they will penalize the artist for is if they notice that you're getting a bunch of bot streams on a song and they look like fraudulent streams is what they call it. And they audit songs and albums all the time. Um, you know, years ago, this was probably in 2017, I want to say, maybe actually might have even been earlier, 2016. Gosh, I don't remember when this was, but I was testing out a bunch of these services. I'm like the guinea pig out there. Uh, before this was big business, you know, I used my own music to test out all of these services and report back and let you know what I thought about them. So I was testing out a few playlist pitching services, um, ones that said, you know, pay us some money and we'll pitch you to playlists. And I thought it was legit, um, almost like a PR company. Like, you know, they pitch you for press and I thought this was going to pitch you for playlist inclusion. But they clearly um, were using bots to increase my streams because initially I was like, oh my gosh, my streams are going up tens of thousands of streams a day. This is crazy. Wow, you're doing such a good job. Except those weren't human beings that were streaming the music. Those were bots. Um, and Spotify, there were some alarm bells apparently that went off at Spotify and they removed the album. They removed my album. Um, now, fortunately, I was able to get it back up. I had to go through a different distributor because that first distributor was like, nah, you got removed from Spotify. Uh, you can't redistribute it. So I, I went to a different one. Um, but it sucked. You lose all your momentum. And yeah, you do get penalized. So you want to be very careful. Don't hire any playlist plugging service or bot stream service or anything that sounds too good to be true. There is a uh, on the ground method of how you can uh, get included on more um, user generated playlists. And I have a whole lesson on that um, in the streaming growth course. And you can you can check that out. But really, you know, what is generating a lot of the uh, success and, and a lot of streams these days, um, not just playlists, TikTok, of course, is is a massive driver. And if you can figure out, if you can crack TikTok, you can have some serious success on streaming and Spotify. Um, digital marketing is a huge driver. You know, that's like running ads. And if you can master the ads platforms and you know how to do it or you want to hire a marketing agency to do this. You can have some serious streaming success. Absolutely. Don't hire shady playlist plugging services. That is going to get you booted. All right. I'm going to call it there. Uh, I need some tea. I've been talking straight for for uh, like 40 minutes or something like that. But hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, I like doing these. And feel free to write in more questions. I'll put a notice out to the email list in the future um, to take more questions. Um, again, follow the show and, uh, I will see you for episode number 101 next week. All right. Thank you so much. Peace. Today's episode was edited by Maxton Hunter, theme music by Brassroots District and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. Episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features. 
annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out DistroKid.com. Uh -huh.